Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody here. Um, question for you. If, in light of moving into the building, if we invited the Apostle Paul in and asked him to give the prayer for the new building, what, what might he say? I, I don't know exactly, okay. But as I was working through Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, the last couple weeks, I couldn't help but imagine that this would be a terrific prayer to hear Paul pray, not just for the Ephesians, but for the chapel too. One of the things that's interesting when you read through the the New Testament is is to kind of get a feel of who who was the group that that Paul is speaking to in a particular book. And one of the interesting things about the book of Ephesians is it's often called a a circular letter, which means although it was read at Ephesus, it was meant to be read by a whole host of cities and towns surrounding Ephesus. And that helps me because, therefore, it's got to be generic enough to reach out and touch all of us, do you see? And so Paul writes this book, and, and what, he, what he prays in this prayer, above everything else, is that God would act in a way that only God can act in the life of the church. Do, do we need that? You know what? As I look out, I see a whole host of different needs. Some of you are carrying great burdens. Some of those burdens you haven't ever shared with anybody. Some you have. Some of you may be discouraged right now. Some of you may be, it may be cooking, you may be encouraged, and life is as smooth as it could possibly be. But the bottom line is, we all find ourselves in different kinds of experiences as we come to his word. You know what I love about the gospel and God's word? It doesn't matter where you are. Do you you realize that? The, The scripture speaks into your circumstance, whatever it is, it includes you. It doesn't exclude you. It doesn't say, you're too young. You're too old. You're too far gone. You're unimportant. No, no, no. It embraces all of us and all of our experiences and says, will you let God do what only God can do in our church? I'm saying, okay, Paul, man. (laughs) Preach it, man. Pray this, baby. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. I'll tell you, folks, um, I went back about three, four weeks ago knowing I was going to preach this. I went through the Greek, translated, block, word analysis. And the more I've gone, gotten into this thing, the more overwhelmed I am by this passage. I, I just hope that I can give you a little glimpse into the wonder of this and depth of this text. Because it is so good. It starts out by saying this. Look at the first Three words, at least in my translation. My translation says, verse 14, therefore, I'm sorry, verse 14, for this reason. Now, folks, stay with me. 
Why would you say for this reason? That's not a trick question. When you see key words like that, you ought to say, for what reason? In other words, Paul, you must be praying this prayer because of something you have just said. Correct? For this reason, I'm going to pray. For what reason, Paul? You've got to go all the way back to chapter 2 of Ephesians. And th- this, is, this, is what I, this is what I love about Paul when he writes. Paul writes as a real person, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but as a real person. And when he comes to chapter 2, in the first 10 verses of chapter 2, he wants to just encourage the saints of God. And he says, look at what God has done in your life individually. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were children of wrath under the domain of Satan. I mean, it's bleak. But God, in his mercy and grace, saved you. And he didn't just save you. He made you this masterpiece. Something, you, you, you know, when you, uh, when you have children show off uh, something they've done somewhere, and it doesn't always look like a masterpiece, but for them it is, right? And they stand up at show and tell, and they say, this is a picture of my dog, Benny, or whatever. I, I, what, what, and if your name's Benny, I'm not thinking, whatever. You know, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? But they're just saying, I'm so proud. You know what God says in Ephesians 2? I have saved you individually by name as you've trusted in Christ. And you are my masterpiece that I want to show off to the world. Isn't that amazing? And then he says in verses 11 to the end of the chapter, not only has he saved you individually, but he has brought us together as the most unusual group of people into this thing called the church. Like, how alike are we? Elizabeth's up here going like, not at all. I mean, I I don't know if you're thinking me in particular, but whatever the case may be. But but, but you know what I'm saying? And and, and God has brought all kinds of, and in, in, in Ephesians 2, it's Jew and Gentile. People that were often at great odds, and he has brought them together into the church, and God will destroy, Describe this church both as a household in which he's father and as a temple in which he dwells. So God has done this incredible gracious work in our lives individually and corporately. Does that make sense? Before I continue, can I just share with you, God, God is gracious. This past week, um, two testimonies stand out in my mind. And I asked him if I could say this. So if you share something with me, I won't share with the group unless you, I get permission, okay? But I asked him. So Jim told me it's okay. But last week, we were together after the wedding. And um, Jim was just recounting for me again his conversion experience. And, and, and Jim, I may get some of the details wrong, but, 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 but just... And he teared up, I teared up, you know. It was a wonderful experience where there was just, there was this moment in his life 
where he was at home. He had heard the word of God preached. He's at home, and he said, I could feel the burden of all my sin. And in one moment, I realized I was forgiven of all of it. And I became a believer. Jim, for this reason, Paul's going to pray this prayer. Because your experience is everybody's experience in here that knows Christ. Monday morning, I went into work. And I, I'm the director of the Master of Arts and Biblical Studies program at Capital Seminary. Okay, you probably didn't know that, but I am. Which just means I'm given a bunch of administrative work. And, and, and I got in there and someone said, hey, a guy just showed up. He wants to do interview, get into our MABS program. Well, there's normally protocol. And you normally have to contact me first. And I have to look at your transcripts and make sure your grades are okay. And blah, 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 blah. And then I okay it and somebody does an interview, blah, blah, blah. And they say, can you just do the whole thing? And can you do it quick because he's up here? <sighs> kind of annoyed me. I kind of had my morning figured out, and that wasn't part of it. But I think, okay, all right. So, you know, Lord, help me. Start going through the transcripts, and they got the transcripts all mixed up, the stuff they had sent me. Oh, my. And that doesn't normally happen. It's a very good group. So I had to call him, hey, you guys don't have this. Do you have that? Can you give me this? Okay, sorry, Doug. Did you have that? Just email me that. Well, the guys wait. I know, but I got to see that first. <laughs> so we got it all together. I walked up and I said, Lord, Lord, help me be kind. <laughs> you know, I was, just, I was just, just, you know, I just spent 45 minutes doing things I shouldn't have to be doing, should have been more organized. You know how you do that stuff, right? And I sat down with Joseph. And God blew me away. Joseph grew up in animism in a tribe in Africa. And a Korean missionary showed up who didn't even know any English to speak of. He had to work through a translator. And all he did was point to the Bible and say, the answer is there, the answer is there. And left. And Joseph said, all my life, I've been trying to please the God of the rain and, and, and the God of the sun and this God after that God after that God after that God. And I always wondered, I wish he would speak to me. So he said, I got the Bible. It had been translated into our tribal language. And I read it and I got saved. And over the last couple years, the gospel has swept through that tribe and many have come to faith in Christ. Do you know how I felt? I felt like, oh, Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? And as I was studying this passage, I was saying, Paul says, for this cause, because of the gems in your life, because of the Josephs in your life, because of your life for this cause, I want to pray for the church. Chapter 3, look at the first three words. For this reason, there it is, for this cause. And he's ready to launch into this prayer, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul is such a rabbit trail guy sometimes. He says, oh, no, look. And then, then from verse 1 of chapter 3, all the way down to verse 13, he goes on this rabbit trail and he says, no, look, 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 look. It's okay that I'm in prison because, like, I get to preach the gospel. No problem. He takes all those verses to say it. Okay? He rabbit trails. Verse 14, 
comes back. Okay, for this reason. For what reason? Chapter 2. Do you see? Chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You know what he says? He says, I can't help but get down on my knee and bow before this great God who is my father. Who, who is father over all saints in heaven, all saints on earth. He is father over all. He has named them. I come before this great God and I'm going to ask him to do something that only he can do. Wow. Because he's already done this. For this reason, I bow before him and ask him to do this. And folks, he basically asks in this prayer for God to do two things. The first is God's individual work within us. And the second is God's corporate work among us. First of all, God's individual work within us down there through verse 17. So what is it that Paul, that you pray that God does? I pray that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's a mouthful, folks. What God grants is in accordance with the riches of his glory. We have quite a few in the church that worked actively in our West Virginia ministry. Could you imagine if a billionaire showed up next week and said, I'm going to go down to that town and the surrounding towns and money is no issue. You can do whatever you want. Could you see Dave and Donna Dietrich on that one? <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I'm saying, right? This text says, I bow before God that he would grant, not according to a billion dollars, according to the riches of his glory. Like, hello. Folks, how much is that? The God of the universe. God, we know the check will never run out. We can't write enough. In accordance with your glory, would you, by your spirit, strengthen us in the inner man so that Christ might dwell in our hearts? You say, whoa, 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 Doug. I thought like when you become a Christian... You have Christ. You do. You do. This word for dwell, though, we could almost translate it to be at home in your hearts. There's a little bit of a difference there, isn't it? It's one thing for Christ to be there. It's something else for him to say, this is my place. When we moved into our first home, 
we rented for 17 years and we moved into our first home up in Hatfield. <sighs> Lived there for several years. And you know what? You do what we do. You go in, you say, I, I don't like the color of that wall. So you paint it. Now, some people do this very effectively. I don't. I'm not really very skilled. Like, I ripped off wallpaper off of one, one wall only to realize I had also ripped off the, the, the stuff underneath, so I had to, like, rechange the whole thing. So, like, it became a major, major, major kind of problem. I should have talked to Tim before I did it, and I didn't, and it's just, it was a catastrophe. But, but, but nonetheless, over those years, you break out one wall, you paint this, you add this, you put there, right? And, and after a period of time, it kind of has the feel of your place, doesn't it? Because you've been at work there. That's how Paul describes the Christian life. Christ comes in. Doesn't like that wall. <laughs> or maybe the color of the wall. Or maybe the whole wall. Maybe he's got to gut that room. Whatever, right? I mean, he's got to do all kinds of work. And Paul says, what I pray individually is that God will do the work that only God can do. He would work in your life from the inside out by the Spirit so that you from the inside out are a person where Christ is at home. He, he, he's Lord. He rules. You don't do that overnight. It takes years. As, as the Spirit pricks you over a particular sin and you fight it for a while and then you finally say, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. You're discouraged and you hear these words of encouragement and the Spirit reminds you of those verses and it brings a smile to your face. Do you, you know it's all incremental and as we respond to the working of the convicting, encouraging work of the Spirit, what happens is walls get painted and some get knocked out because Christ wants to be Lord of all. Years ago, I don't know if you've ever read it, it's just a little book by Robert Munger called My Heart, Christ's Home. If you've never read it, you can, you can probably find a PDF of it online somewhere. It's, it, there was millions of them that, that have been sold, just a short, short little booklet. And he, he kind of pictures what this might look like, Christ coming in and, and talking to you about your heart as a home. And, and you take him around to some of the different rooms. You take him to the kitchen, the place of your appetites. To your workroom, the place of your hobbies. The living room, the place of your entertainment. And, and all these rooms, and, and at every one, Munger writes in his book, Christ says, I, I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. And, that, and in the book, there's a closet. The one thing the guy wants to hold on to is the closet. No, Christ, you can't have the closet. I got to have the closet too. If this is going to be my home, I get it all. He opens up that closet and it reeks and it's got all kinds of problems, of hidden sin. And Christ said, I want that too. Only the true and living God can change us like that from the inside out. No, we've got to yield to him. When he convicts, we've got to respond. We can't keep saying no, 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 no. Be filled with the Spirit. 
doesn't doesn't mean you need more of the Spirit. He needs more of you. And you come and you say, may your Spirit work in my heart so that Christ is at home. Isn't that a great prayer? This week, God brings me to your mind. Pray that. Lord, will you so work in Finkbeiner's life that the Spirit prompts and encourages him from the inside out in such a way that Christ breaks down another wall and Christ is Lord of all. Now, Father, we know Finkbeiner. It's going to take a long time. But at least start with one. I'll take it. I'll take that prayer. Do you see? Paul bows his knee before this incredibly gracious God who has saved us individually and brought us together as a group. God, work in us individually so that Christ will be at home. But Paul says it doesn't stop there. Look at what he says in verse 17. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love. (laughs) Love is everywhere in this passage, folks. Paul says, God, if I think of a plant, it's the soil of love, your love, that has done what you've done. If I think of a building... You have built the foundation on love, your love. Having been rooted and grounded in love, what does it, is, is it that he wants them to do? And this is an impossible prayer in and of itself, folks. Listen to what Paul says. I love it. I love it. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Do you see that? That's this, folks. That's this. That's us. That's just not me. That's us. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. This is a corporate activity. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Do you know what he's saying? That expression, height and depth and and breadth and, and, and length. When that's used elsewhere in Scripture, it means that which is unfathomable. You can't get to the bottom of it. It's impossible. And he says, God, as Christ is laying claim to more rooms in my house, will you help us to take that next step to begin to comprehend the incomprehensible and to know the unknowable? just a little bit, help us to enter more deeply into the love of Christ. But help us to do it together. So if I see Carmelo after church, we both love soccer. He's probably pretty good at it. I'm not anymore. But we we love the game. Is it wrong for us to talk about soccer? Of course not. But shouldn't I look for an opportunity for Carmelo after church? And maybe maybe the way in is I say, 
Carmelo, God did something really special for me this week. I just wanted you to know. He loves us, man. It's just a, it's just a quickie. And he looks back and he says, and I, I'm making all this up. Carmelo and I haven't talked. Okay, so this, this is totally illustrative, okay? Because I did this, yeah, anyway. Carmelo looks back and says, man, this week has been really rough for me. But I flipped open the Bible. I've been reading. And God ministered my soul from that passage in a way that I knew it was directly from him. You see what he's doing? God loves us. And, and what we're trying to do is we're saying, it's higher and deeper and longer and broader. We can't, like, we can't even see how far it is. But we're just kind of dipping into it and say, hey, Carmelo, look at that. And he's saying, hey, Doug, check this out. It's all we're doing. It's incomprehensible. It's unknowable. Unless God so works in our hearts that we step into it at some level. And we begin to know, not merely intellectually, but experientially, this love of Christ, which is beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Do you remember back in chapter 2 when he's talking about God's grace and he says, Paul says, in the ages to come, God will continue to show you his incredible grace. Do, do, you, do you understand that? It means after you and I are, are together in the new heaven and the new earth, we're going to keep going like, holy mackerel. I never saw that one. Carm, that's better than what you and I were talking about back at church that one day. Right? I mean, it's just going to be one wave after another wave after another wave. We're going to go like, wow, wow, wow. That's how, that's how eternity is described in this passage. And all we do is dip into it, but we dip in together. We speak Christ one to another. Whether we're discouraged, whether we're encouraged, whether we're beleaguered, whether we're burdened, whether we're feeling great that day, it doesn't matter. We just keep sharing his love. Look at the promise that comes at the end of verse 19. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. What, what happens if the chapel is really into God talk? God talk which comes out of God li life that's limited. You see what I'm saying? So when we're together, we're always trying to say, how can, I, how can we enter more deeply into this great God's love for us in Christ? Like, like, what? When a church lives that way, it changes the way they live. It changes the way they speak. I can't be speaking about Christ's love and then not love you, can I? Do you see? It has all kinds of tentacles and ramifications. You will be filled to all the fullness of God. In the book of Ezekiel, I'm reading in Ezekiel now my private devotions, and reading over a series of chapters, you'll find that the, the Shekinah glory of God 
has come out of the temple. Now it's at the edge of the city. And now it's gone. Which means judgment is upon them. God has removed his special unique presence. He was always there. He's still there. But his approving presence. And then I read John chapter 1. And the Bible tells me God tabernacles among us in the person of his son. Or Matthew says, God is with us. And I read in Revelation one day, in all of its fullness, God will come and dwell with all his people in all of his fullness. But even now in the church, we are a holy temple where God wants to dwell. But his fullness, his approving presence that says, I am here, I am at work, that all may know that I am the true and living God. Do you see? It's a pretty simple prayer. Has an individual component. Christ will be at home in our hearts by the power of his spirit as we yield to him. That we will be God talkers about Christ's love. And as a result, we will be filled to all the fullness of God. That's what all of your leaders want for the chapel. Now we have to nuance out what that looks like. We have all kinds of things we got to work through. Fair enough. And we're feeble men. True. But that's what we want. It's what Paul wants. That's what God wants. There's an individual and a corporate component. You say, Finkbinder, this is pie in the sky. No church can be like that. And so I leave you with verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think I've mentioned this to you once before. I'll say it quickly and then I'll end because I know my time's put about out, up. If this verse had said, now unto him who is able to do what you ask. Would you love that one? Doesn't. Now unto him who's able to do what you ask or think. <laughs> That's cool. Like I haven't even verbalized it yet. That's not what it says. Now unto him who's able to do all that you ask or think. Man, now we're cooking. Now unto him who's able to do above all that you ask or think. That's not what it says. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in and within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever. Do you see what Paul does? For any of you doubters out there, 
The true and living God wants to do this, and he alone can do this. If we will open up ourselves to the work of God. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious. But what astounds us is that you're gracious to us who are weak and feeble when you have everything in and of yourself. And yet you want to be our father. And you don't just want to bring us into the family. You want your power to work in, our, in us from the inside out in such a way that Christ is Lord of all. Spirit of God, please do that work in our hearts. Lord, will you help us just to take the next step, whatever that might mean, to take the hand of a friend and try to enter more deeply into your unfathomable love for us? Maybe, maybe to start praying with them on a weekly basis even. Who knows? But Father, give, give us ideas and help us to act on them so that the chapel would be a place that's filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, you are able, you are willing. May we be the same. In Christ's name I pray, amen.